This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, let's get to uh, lots and lots of questions. And thank you so much, Spits and Suds listeners. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, Howey asks, nothing related to this Arizona game, but I've always wanted to hear more about pregame routines. Any good stories on pregame rituals for Stars players? I haven't seen if he still does it, but I don't know why he wouldn't. Tyler Sagan likes to be off the ice last in pregame warmups counting the other team and Mark Shifley and him used to get into it as far as they'd fake going off the ice. It was just a real funny thing to watch. The um, interesting thing about the stars too, is they're one of the teams that you talk about pregame and warmups because of the age of their team. They're one of the teams that has, they have a higher, I don't know the exact number. I'd have to go look around the league, but they have one of the higher numbers of players not wearing helmets during warmups. And whether that's good or bad, you can, you could argue, but um, just the, it's now, it's now elite. It's now against the rules actually um, for players not to wear a helmet during warmups. If they entered the NHL um, after last season. So sorry, if you played in the NHL last season, you can you still have the option to not wear a helmet during warmups. But if you if this if you played your your first NHL game came this season, you can no longer go no bucket for warmups. Um, Connor Bedard actually did it. Uh, Connor Bedard and Kevin Korchinski, and we've seen a couple other rookies do it for their rookie lap where their guys have hit the helmet, and they've actually been fined for it. Um, it's not a huge fine for professional athletes, but it's still it's no longer allowed. Um, so that's kind of an interesting Dallas element. You look at Ben Sagan, um, leave to Shane, um, Pavelski, you got, you got a bunch, a large group of guys going without a helmet during warmups. Um, the, the thing that as far as kind of like pregame routines that I always found interesting is you think about the distance and time and cardio that that Miro puts in during a game. What did he play? Probably played 30 something minutes again last night, right? Like let's say he played um 2609. Um he runs around the lower bowl of the AAC um probably I would guess he runs more than a mile just as kind of a, like a slight jog warm up. Like it's amazing that like, just you think about like the cardio his build up, And then and I know it's, I know someone's listening to this show and is going to be like a sports scientist and be like, Oh, well that makes sense. That's that helps the body cool down. It's still amazing for me as someone watching the game to think you just played 26 minutes of hockey. Yeah. You ran before and now you hop on the bike right afterwards. Absolutely. Um, it's that's, that's, there's that. And, uh, 
and we've talked about Radic Fox's superstitions before. Radic Fox is a very superstitious individual. So, um, but that I hope I answered the question. Oh, I kind of rambled there. That so. was a, that was a great answer. <laughs> Belfour's billion dollar bribe asks if the 2021 draft was redrafted with today's info. Does Wyatt Johnston go in the top ten? Done a lot more than a number of guys drafted ahead of him, even if some of those earlier guys may have more raw talent. I know it's early in everyone's career, but 53 looks like a steal. 53 that year was taken number 23. And let me give you the top 10 for reference. Owen Power, number one, to the Sabres. Matty Beneers to the Kraken. Mason McTavish to the Ducks. Luke Hughes to the Devils. Uh, Kent Johnson, Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Simon Edvinson to Detroit. William Eklund to San Jose. Brant Clark to the Kings. And uh, Dylan Gunther to the Coyotes. And Tyler I mean, he definitely, Boucher, yeah. he, he definitely goes top. 10. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the question is how high up would he go? Um, today's using today's information, right? Like, um, and I actually wrote about this is a good tease point easily. I wrote about right before we hopped on the show today, I published a piece over at D magazine on Wyatt Johnston and kind of the growing expectations for him that he's, he's earned. Um, you got to remember and one of the things about Wyatt Johnston, one of the reasons that uh, the uh, one of the reasons that Johnston was available at 23 was he didn't play a single game in the OHL during his draft year during the 2021 season because of COVID, and the so the Wyatt Johnston in a span of like 507 days or something like that only played eight hockey games in his draft year. And those eight games all came in Frisco. They were at the under 18 world championships in Frisco. The stars uh, combined with USA uh, teamed up with USA hockey because they had lax COVID restrictions and brought the U18 worlds to Frisco and Plano. And on that team, Canada, there was Shane Wright. There was um, Connor Bedard. Logan Stankoven was on that team. And, um, and it for, uh, Johnson only had four points in eight games in that tournament, but he centered the checking line for Canada played, did a little bit of everything. And the stars GM, Jim Nill and everyone literally watching from their office at some points fell in love with Johnston's game. And you got to remember that in that draft, the stars had 15 and then they traded back to 23 to get Johnston. And this all goes back to, and I wrote about this today at D Magazine. Go look it up. Read it. Get, get, keep reading it. Please read D Magazine yeah. when you see it. It's free. Uh, and uh, even if you don't read it, you just scroll through it, and then it gives some page views, and then that keeps them keep paying me to, to write stuff. Shameless plug. Um, but why the podcast uh, is for. Wyatt Johnston was on no one else's radar, really. Like, the Stars willingly moved back from 15 to 23. The Stars would have taken him at 15. But they thought they were like, okay, we don't think he's on anyone else's radar. We can move back to 23 and pick up another pick, which they did. So huge credit to the Stars scouting and viewing of this. Huge credit to the Stars off-ice and business side of things. I mean, I actually actually called Brad Alberts about this yesterday um, just to make sure I had my timelines right on everything when writing this story. Like, Stars, Wyatt Johnson's probably not in Dallas if the stars business side doesn't go out of their way to 
work with USA Hockey to bring the worlds here. That that's all important. Um, to get back to the answer of the question of <laughs> no, but that's good because Jordan <laughs> to get back Harper... to the question of where does where does where does Wyatt Johnson go in a redraft with today's information? Top five. Um, yeah, I would I, I would argue he's going he's going he's it's easily number five. Five Ken Johnson. Yeah, five probably. I mean, yeah. and you could have the you can have the argument over. You can have the argument between you can have the argument of whether he's climbing into the top four or not. I think Power and Hughes are going to be the two best players from this draft as far as most impactful based off their position and things like that. But um, and I like McTavish a lot. I think McTavish is a very good player, Me too. but in the long run, I'm curious to see. Johnston Johnston versus McTavish in the long run. But yeah. either way, he's in the top five now. The question is, is he jumping into the top four yet? I don't yeah. Know. And, and and this goes back to a previous Spits and Suds question the other day where Jordan Harper, uh, who lives in Canada and listens to Spits and Suds, was wondering if we could do a deep dive on Wyatt Johnston. And Sean just gave you that. So that's awesome. So, yeah. Jordan, go read um, D Magazine. And uh, Sean will go into even more depth as far as the business side and how it paid dividends as far as Wyatt Johnston's uh, concerned. Uh, Okay. Uh, Jeff Fink writes, for fans in Dallas, watching the Stars play on the West Coast is tough. Games effectively are starting 9 or 9.30 p.m. Do the players feel like they're playing a game that late, or is it all routine for them? Similar question for West Coast teams playing out East. Thanks. I think any athlete when their routine changes um i think it's an adjustment i think they're used to the adjustments but i certainly don't think it's a just a normal day when you have to uh, i mean especially in that makes yeah. uh, sorry sean that makes what the texas rangers did so special in that you're playing in seattle you lose a massive game which causes you to lose at the end of the season the division title and then you have to change multiple time zones and start on a Tuesday in Tampa on the road. So that's what made that world series so special. Yeah. It's for, for Dallas when the stars go out to the West coast, it's actually not that bad. It's going West is not bad. It's um, and I've, I've been on those trips before going, going West isn't bad. It's it's cause you gotta remember players take their players, Players take their afternoon nap typically before the game. Um, it's you, you take your morning skate. You kind of your schedule kind of readjusts naturally from that. You take your nap and you're just kind of on that time zone. It's go, going west is not difficult. Um, it's 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 the other way around. It's when it's when you go from it's when you're a West Coast team. And you go and all of a sudden you're playing a game that starts at what is normally five o'clock for you. Like that's, that's, that's the tough part. It's not really the, and so from a star's perspective, their travel sucks. They have the worst travel schedule in the league because of where they are. But as far as a time zone structure, they actually have it pretty good because you go East and it's not too much of an adjustment and you go west and it's not too much of an adjustment. Being in central time zone is, is actually not not a bad place to be time zone wise because when you're playing at 10 o'clock there, consider the team's already been there. They've taken their nap. So it sucks from a fan perspective of having the late start. 
but from a player perspective, it's the it's the weirdness of the it's when you go west to east that's weird. Or it's when, and this is kind of the nature since the world lives on East Coast time, it's the weirdness of finding those playoff games when I yeah, people gotta remember the Vegas Golden Knights were starting playoff games at 5 p.m. Yeah. Because that that was like, I know, and it was to, games are starting at five o'clock in Vegas for the, in the Stanley Cup final. And obviously it's, no, you're in the Stanley Cup final. You're one of the best teams. You can handle adversity and all that stuff. But those are the times that are, are weird. It's not the game later. Like it's just like next week, Dallas is going to play an 830 game at home next week in their own time zone. That's basically like just playing on the West Coast. It's not yeah. a, um, or or playing a, a game of Mountain Time or whatever, or yeah. whatever time zone Arizona is that day of the week. So. Have you ever thought about writing an article on the art of the daytime nap? I uh, should. That's a good one. That would be good, actually. Um, I would like commission on that, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I, I could also. It, I could I, also. We could also go over. Now, this is not a player thing, but this is this. This is a sports writer game tactic. Have, are you aware of the the coffee nap, Gavin? Are you aware of the coffee nap? No, and I so love coffee. coffee nap. So count me so in. The, co- the coffee nap is you need a your day's slogging along. You know you've got to do something at say three o'clock or whatever, but you got a little bit of time, and you know you got to get going. So make yourself a cup of coffee. Um, if you can't drink coffee quickly, just like a cup of espresso. Take it. Lay down right away and take a nap. Just take like literally just take like a 20 minute nap, get like the 20 minute nap in 20, 25 minutes. You drink the coffee right before. So you're falling asleep. You're, you're, you're basically racing the caffeine. You're basically getting to sleep before the caffeine kicks in while you are sleeping. And there's no science to this. I'm not pretending to be a doctor. <laughs> there's no science to this. But basically you then as you wake up, the caffeine kicks in and you feel extremely refreshed for the rest of the day. Huh. I love a big, big fan of the coffee nap. Uh, I've used it both in my professional and personal life, having two young children. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try. I just, you know, there are so many factors like hotel, like, you know, you could shut the blinds, but there's always that little light that seems through. Oh, I, I, I have a trick for that too. Oh, so, okay. So, you, you know, the, uh, and I learned this from an NHL scout. You know the hanger that's got the uh, little clips so you can hold pants on it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You you take that hanger and then you use that. That hanger is a tool oh. to clip the blinds all the way close. Okay. So you just basically put it up and down. Yeah. So you yeah. take the hanger. Yeah. You put it, you put it for a uh, vertical and you, uh, and you use that to clip the blinds completely close. Full, full, full dark, full, full blackout. I like it. See, there you go. Those are the tidbits you get on Spits and Suds, folks. Absolutely. Expect a uh, great article coming out on sleeping in the NHL. Uh, All right. Aaron Thacker, our friend the Thackman, says, where do you think right now in the season is the biggest strength of this team and what is the biggest area of improvement, weakness, stick tap to you both? Uh, I'll go first, Sean, and I think we've seen it already, depth in Mm -hmm. that this team, if they lose a player, like Harley last night to injury, Joel Hanley can come in. Ty Delandria was sitting for a couple of games. I thought once again he played pretty good last night. 
And so you have guys like that that are healthy scratches. And, oh, by the way, if there is any kind of long-term injury, that would open up some, you know, emergency cap room. And you can explain that further, Sean, for, you know, the Bixels, the Borks, or the Stankovens to come up. So my answer is depth. And we've talked about this for in the past on Spits and Suds where it was basically a one- or a two-line team. Now I can confidently say it's a four-line team. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, and it's... um, the, you, you nailed it on the head there with the strength of this team is, is the depth and how they're built. Um. And you talk about things there you need to improve and the um, kind of areas of concern and, and, and things like that. And honestly, at this point, I know sometimes people will be like, oh, they're, they're like hockey can be ugly sometimes in October and November. That's just the reality. And the stars are winning games. And I think a better answer to what issues or things they have to improve on. I think we'll have a great answer of that a week from today. I think after this stretch where you get Colorado, Vegas, and New York, I think a week from or eight days from day, whatever, I think we're going to have a really good answer of like, okay, we went through this gauntlet and here what was exposed because those teams will have the opportunity to expose problems right now. I'm, I'm happy. Like you're happy with how things are going. And I know sometimes people are a little, can be a little bit more pessimistic and think their stars aren't doing this right or that right or whatever. Right now, I think it's okay to enjoy the ride and then use this week to kind of figure out, okay, what do we need to do to upgrade the ride? Yep. Yep. Great answer. MB Tendy uh, on Twitter question unrelated to the game tonight, but is there a reason the stars chose not to celebrate their 30th anniversary this season? Thanks guys. Go stars. I think maybe we uh, have to spend some time with Mr. Alberts. Oh, we we might have to give Brad a call on that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this is but also but there's got to remember the stars. Um, they they did their this wouldn't be their thirtieth season based off their past celebration of seasons. They celebrated their twenty fifth season during. They celebrated twenty five years. During the twenty, uh, they celebrated twenty five years during the twenty sixteen seventeen season. So twenty seven eighteen would be twenty six. Twenty eighteen nineteen would have been twenty seven. Twenty nineteen twenty would have been twenty eight. Twenty twenty one would have been twenty nine. Last season would have been thirty. Actually, um, so it's it's this is a very good question for Brad. I don't have yeah. the answer, yeah. but I, I just know when what based off when the stars celebrated twenty five, it would have been last year, not this year, that they would have been. Uh, uh, it would have been last year, not this year, that they would have celebrated the uh, the 30th anniversary season based off using that sliding scale of, of math. So I, I don't know the answer to that. It's a really good question. But as uh, we say sometimes on this show, we will uh, reach out and uh, see if we can get you an answer. Yeah. So 
God, because Sean gives me so many homework assignments on these interviews, and so now it's time. <laughs> uh, Jordan Harper asked, looking back at the game, how much did we notice not having Thomas Harley uh, on the back end tonight? I thought you could really tell he was missing. Well, I think that's a credit to Thomas Harley. If you know, I mean, he's certainly made an impact um, and grown into the position and continued where he left off in the playoffs. I think it's more that than actually the others. But I think when you take a guy like that away from the lineup, it's going to be semi noticeable. Yeah, um, it's it's actually there's a really interesting stat from last night when I was I was looking through the stuff that relates to this. Um, Last night, Joel, and this is where one of the biggest difference, and this is why sometimes you have to use a real like sliding scale when you look at analytics of shot share and stuff like that. Like, like last night, Joel Hanley rocked an 84 Corsi four. When Joel Hanley was on the ice, the stars had outshot the coyotes 21 to four in shot attempts. Wow. Tremendous. Now, Joel Hanley didn't take a single face off in the defensive zone. Like huh. that's just that's he Joel Hanley. Sorry, he had sorry he no sorry he did a, he had two, he had he had two, he had two defensive zone faceoffs, but zero shit, uh, but zero shifts that started in the defensive zone. That is just that kind of gives you an idea of Joel Hanley wasn't trusted in the defensive zone, wasn't used in that way, and I think that's one of the biggest spots you missed. You, you miss seeing Thomas Harley because you're used to seeing him play in all situations. You're used to seeing him playing in every role. So while Hanley was good in the role he was given, he's not Thomas Harley. So definitely that, that as you said, it's a testament to, to, uh, to Joel, to, to Thomas Harley. The other thing that's wild about last night, and this is the one that you would uh, be, that you would also be, that would not, uh, that would be kind of surprising to you based off who they are as players. If I told you there was three play three forwards that did not have a defensive zone start last night, mm. who would you think they are? And this is a five on five, five on five. We're not talking penalty kill. If I told you there was there was there was three forwards that didn't have a defensive zone start last night, who would you think they are? Pavelski. Nope. Uh no. Ooh. Marchman? Ah, that's a good one. Uh, who, who are they? Ty, Del- Ty Delandria, really? Radek Foxa, and Craig Smith. Really? Yep. That was you going talk to... About, that's you talk about the change in how this team is deployed. Yeah. You talk about the change of the fourth line role. If I had told you under a prior coaching staff that you would go through a game that Radek Foxa did not have a defensive zone start to his shift at even strength, You'd be like, okay, you're crazy. Did he get hurt? Like, that is just shows you the how differently the stars are deployed. That fourth line for their when they when they are on the ice, always starting either in the offensive zone or the neutral zone. Wow, that's it. Like it's now obviously penalty kill and changes things. So you probably saw them in the defensive zone because they kill penalties. But that is an incredible way to look at how this team's deployment has changed. Where Radic Fox is no longer first guy over the board. Not even not not even the first guy. He's the last guy over the boards for yeah. a defensive zone draw at even strength. Huh. And Ronald, as a follow up uh, on another defensive question, is it concerning we barely saw Nils Lundqvist play in the third period? 
Um, I didn't. I mean, really we notice. saw. He, he, we, Pete. I think Pete answered the question about it. Just it was based off play, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't. I, didn't Pete say something about it after the game? We'll check on that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, um, we'll check on that. I don't think. I think. I think it was just play. I mean, I thought Nils was very good a couple games ago, um, and uh, we'll. Uh, it will be interesting to see how things go because they were basically playing with five defensemen. They trusted all situations. Um, and uh, as we just talked about with, with Hanley. And so someone else tends to get lost at that some point too with defense. So Sean, I'm not overly concerned about Lundquist's use, yeah. but let's see what happens later this week. And prior to last night. He also, he also wasn't in time. He did play. He wasn't, not that he was bad. He just yeah. didn't really stand out. Either. And I would say the same thing about, the next player, because I didn't think he had the best game, but I was going to say on this podcast that similar to my Radic Fox to take in the past where the salary does bug me, but I think he's been a real nice part of this team this year. I think Ryan Suter has been good this year. Like, yeah, you know, I, I just don't think he's, you know, I didn't think he was great last night, but I think he's played really well. Um, well, and I'm not saying he's well, like, he wouldn't yeah. be my choice for a first pairing defenseman. However, it's like, we got to call but it he's like not, it but is, but he's not a first pairing defenseman. That's right. The exactly. thing people get lost on. Like yes. that's the thing people get lost on Ryan Suter, first pairing defenseman. He's not a first pairing defenseman. He takes, he's technically, cause on line rushes, you only have so many line rushes you can go. And Miro's not going to take three extra line rushes to make it fit with all the other guys he plays with. The stars have done a really good job of handling of of d of of descaling ryan Souter and and descaling his minutes and in doing that like technically he takes the first rush it's one of those situations where just because a line or pairing or someone goes first in practice or in warm-ups that doesn't mean on the hierarchy of the chart that they are there and i think the stars this is where the ryan Souter discourse requires some more nuance because He's not a first pairing defenseman. I watch him play. I see his usage. He's not a first pairing defenseman. Agreed. He happens to be out on the ice with the best defenseman in the world, or yeah, I said yeah, one of the best, one of the best defensemen in the world. But he is not a first pairing defenseman, and he's not treated like that anymore. And the fact the Stars have been able to find that happy medium where they have also kept his ego in play because he is a very proud player. He's a very proud player who, if his name's not first on that list, he's probably going to be a little pissed off. So they have found they've done a really good job sticking the landing on this. And I think it's something where Pete DeBoer and his staff deserve a ton of credit for how Ryan Suter has been handled this year. Yeah. And Wes Tarkenton ends with a question that I'm throwing a couple of question marks on. Why are our Dallas Stars stricken with frequently not playing Dallas Stars hockey against other teams, especially at home? This meant a new development about is double baffling given all the regime and leadership changes over the years. I would just say, Wes, I don't know what you mean by what is Dallas Stars hockey because the Dallas Stars hockey that I'm seeing right now is exactly the style they want to play in a lot of games. Um, You know, fast breakouts and high skill and depth among the lines. And so I think I'm just guessing, Wes, that you're thinking of the old school with the big defensemen and the physical play. And uh, I, yes, I would like to see them get more physical as far as late in the year, but I personally am excited about Liam Bixel. And I think similar to Thomas Harley coming up last year, I think that could be the answer. So um, I didn't know where I, your question's going. You can clarify, feel free to uh, 
send us another tweet to clarify, but uh, that's the best guess for me. Let me take this another way, because I think sometimes, um, and this is not just a Dallas Stars thing. This is a hockey fan thing. Hockey fans in general, um, and I, I mean this, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but I just, I'm going to, it's just the reality. We're such a regional tribalistic sport, right? Like, it's not like if you're, if you're a, there's so many games, um, there's so many games, there's so much, there's 82 games a year. And if you're a Dallas Stars fan, odds are you're only watching when the Dallas Stars play. You might watch another game here or there, but really you're watching the Dallas Stars and how another team plays against them. That's typically the common thing. If you are a Arizona Coyotes fan, you're typically only watching the Coyotes. Yep. One of the NHL's biggest problems, and it's one of the reasons that NHL Stanley Cup rate um, TV ratings don't do well is once the team season is over, people don't give a shit. Right. Just like that's that's the reality. Like it's such a tribalistic sport where you're a Dallas Stars fan. You're listening to this podcast. We love you, but you don't care about you. The typical person. Some people are big time hockey fans. That's fine. But you don't care about what happens in the Columbus Buffalo game tonight. Right. Or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, Sean and, and I could I, be I, talking about the Tage Thompson injury last night in Buffalo, yeah. but we don't know if anyone yeah. would care. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's so it's it's that space where I think we get so caught into our nuance of it. And I see this when I and 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 I see this where you see people complaining about uh complaining about a guy's game. I was saw a Buffalo conversation about something the other day where somebody was uh I can't remember the player. I think it was JJ Paterka, where there was someone was just was talking about how frustrated they were with JJ Paterka's game. And I watched Paterka play couple times and I've seen him in person a couple times and I think he's been fine. And when you get so nuanced and watch only your team, it's so easy to pick out the flaws. When you're looking in the mirror all the time and only at yourself, it's easy to miss the whole world around you. Vegas right now, let's 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 like just let's lay it out right now. Like you look at if somebody if we'll use Boston first. Boston's 12-1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many people are calling into the the hub or whatever the sports station is in Boston and complain about whether they're winning well enough? Do you know how many people complain when I mean do you know how many people who are get upset when they're the the reaction when, oh my God, Linus Olmark only stopped Linus Olmark's game stay save percentage for this game was down to eight eight seven. Like hockey fans are so overly critical of their own teams. Yes. And they miss that this sport has ugly games throughout the year. Vegas, I've seen Vegas play some ugly games. Like I saw um when I was in Chicago a couple of weeks back, I see Vegas play that game. Vegas wins 5-3. That's an ugly, ugly hockey game for 45 minutes and just Vegas kind of gets it done at the end. And there's people who are Vegas fans are like, oh man, we didn't really play our game the whole game. At the end of the game, Ivan Barbashev goes down the wing and scores a goal, and Paul Cotter scores a goal for you. That's who you are. You're inevitable. Yep. That's that's who you are. But yep. you were ugly for 45 minutes. The yep. Stars are a good hockey team. They have an identity. People will be like, oh, they don't have an identity. They do have an identity. They're fast. They're fast. They activate on defense, and they have one of the best goalies in the world that allows them to play a style. They are, they are built very similar to how Tampa won cups. That's just true. Um, they, the stars have an identity and they play to it. 
it's sometimes not pretty. It's sometimes ugly. They also have some ugly identities. They are a slow starting team. Dallas Stars hockey in the Jamie Ben era, and I've said it before many times in this podcast, is you start slow and sometimes you have to dig yourself out of a ditch. Whose fault is that? I don't know. There's just one common thread, right? That's I so I I, I kind of I hope I don't know if I'm answering any questions on this, but it's it's more of like the stars, it's so easy to go spend a day like you saw you you watched Minnesota on Sunday. If you're a stars fan, you watched Minnesota, you watch them get cranked day three. Go spend a day in Minnesota land right now and get an idea of what it's like to not play stars hockey right so. <laughs> yeah no you're you're absolutely right and i can answer your question sean that in boston they're saying that's nice but are you going to fail in the playoffs once again that's absolutely oh, yeah. what they're yeah. talking about yeah. so it's uh yeah, yeah you, you're you're absolutely right all right so thanksgiving means you start to buy christmas presents which means that we win here needs to be on your christmas list so tell your partner or mom and dad or whoever buys you gifts, I want Sean's book, We Win Here, or I would like a subscription to Shap Shots, which supports Sean, and that is his Substack where you get really, really good up-to-the-minute uh, Dallas Stars news that you're probably not going to get elsewhere. Uh, Sean's a beast when it comes to analytics. He's going to make you smarter with the great game of hockey. And uh, speaking of which, uh, before we go, I did want to point out, because I got great reaction on it, if you listen to this and you don't understand some of the terms, feel free to either direct message me or direct message Sean, but you can direct message uh, me. I am currently working with a person um, who said, I'm a Hispanic male. I don't have friends that are uh, Stars fans or know about the game of hockey and we're going through what icing is, how many players on the ice at the same time. And we're going through those steps. And I told him, we'll watch a game together when all these terms, um, you know, you get it down and you watch some games and we'll explain more. The goal of this podcast is obviously to grow, but it's to grow the great game of hockey. So uh, thank you to one and all. Let's continue to grow this thing. Sean, you are the man. And uh, as always, we appreciate your time. Always fun, Gavin. Yep, absolutely. Hey, everyone, big games coming up Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday. We'll be talking about it right here on Spits and Suds.